Did everybody get a copy of the last week and did the teaching part? If you need a copy of that, would you let me know after church and we'll, we'll get a copy in your hands. Um, basically, Daniel 7, talking about what the enemy tries to do. If you feel tired and you're just weary, you're frustrated, you're disappointed, everything, you're depressed, whatever's going on in your life, obviously the enemy has set his sights on you to try to wear you out. And it talks about it in Daniel chapter 7. And then it goes on to say, but God hands us over from, you know, for a certain length of time. And the reason he does that is that so we would be strengthened in our faith. We are living in perilous times. We're living at a time that I believe that obviously we're seeing evil rise, but we're also seeing the blessings and the power of God and the Spirit of God move throughout this land. I believe God's moving throughout the world. And I believe that we will see greater things. I believe that we're in a time that I believe we will obviously could be able to say, we ain't seen nothing yet, okay? So hold on. There is a move of God's Spirit. I believe it's like a lot of people are calling a tsunami, that it's moving quickly and things are beginning to pick up. The other word is that this move of God that's coming about revival, we need uh, the Jesus in this land again. And we need, obviously, his presence in a powerful way and uh, people to turn their hearts to him. And I believe this movement will be a, uh, a movement of holiness and holiness unto the Lord. Jesus, God says, be holy because I'm holy. And you go, how can that be done? Obviously, you partner with God, but it's the spirit of God within you that will obviously uh, make you holy not just positionally, but you can walk in that holiness. I believe he's looking for a uh, just a, a bride without blemish and without spot. I believe he's preparing the bride of Christ. I believe there's preparations being made. In Revelation chapter 19, it talks about that, that the bride made herself ready. So we partner with the Lord. God just says, I want you, you work with the Lord for this to happen. I believe that that's true, that we one day we will obviously be a part of the marriage supper uh, with the Lamb of God. We will be there with Him. So we're being prepared. We are the bride of Christ. Gave an illustration of a, of a bride here in the earthly realm of how it looks like she's not ready. She's obviously, time is drawing near. The wedding's getting close, and she looks all frazzled and everything. She doesn't have her makeup on. She doesn't have her hair fixed. She doesn't have her wedding dress on, and all these things. And I've wondered over the years as I've done weddings, I'm going, look, we need to hurry up here. We need to get things straight. But when the door opens and the bride's standing there, she's beautiful as can be. I believe there is a time, Romans chapter 9 talks about it, that God begins to quicken his pace as he begins to prepare us. And I believe we need to be prepared. And you go, well, what about if we're not the generation to really see what you've been talking about, Jim, for all these years? I believe that actually what we do is prepare the next generation. God's going to do it because he promises. And so we get the next generation prepared. We need the, our young people to know Jesus Christ intimately and to walk in his power, the power of the Spirit of the Lord. And so we pass that down. And I believe that's so well done. But, you know, today, in our day and time, it seems like that people are not interested in drawing and growing in their faith and so forth and all that. But I want to tell you today, do not give up. We talked about it last week. You do not quit. You don't stop praying for those people that are in your family that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You do not quit. You keep praying. 
You don't give up on the fact that maybe you're dealing with issues in your life and it doesn't seem like anything is getting any better. In fact, sometimes you begin to pray and it looks like it's getting worse. And so there is a breakthrough that's coming, I believe, in people's lives that have been discouraged and down in the dumps and so forth. And I'm talking about Christians today. People who obviously uh, have not seen that breakthrough, I believe there will be a breakthrough in, in people's lives as they continue on. And they make that commitment. I am not giving up. Galatians chapter 6 says that you will, you will reap if you do not give up. You will bear fruit if you don't give up. And the Bible says you will. So don't give up. My philosophy many times I've told you over the past, it's kind of like I show up, okay? And then I say, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because it's his activity, maybe in a church or in individuals' lives or out in the community, and I'll ask the Lord, Lord, what are you doing here in Walmart? What are you doing in this situation? And then I'm attentive to people around me that may need prayer or may need just an encouraging word or God bless you or good morning or Merry Christmas or whatever it may be that God leads you to do because it's God's activity that precedes us. He's already working out in the community today. People are hungry. And I want to tell you today, what we've got to do is somehow be there to be able to tell them what their real need is, and that is Jesus Christ in their lives. We've got to understand that, yes, people are hungry, and they're looking for love in all the wrong places. And we have to be there to be able to teach and, and to be a part of their lives and to, to such, uh, such an extent that, that somehow you point them in the direction of God Almighty. Amen. That's what we're here for today. There are many people out there who don't know Jesus. No one, many have not heard the word of God. And they need to obviously know the truth because the Bible says the truth will set you free if you know it. It has set you free. Amen. Turn to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to talk about Caleb. We're going to talk about faith that's extraordinary. I believe so powerful. When we look at Numbers chapter 13, Ed, uh, we got, we, can you come back down with it? And we're going to look at verses 17 through 20 to begin with. Numbers, Old Testament, pretty close to the front. And in verse 17. We know the story, and I'll give you, we'll give a synopsis. Basically, there were 12 spies. God had promised Canaan to his people, and said, which is considered the promised land. You know, in our lives, spiritually, it can be equated to when we go into our promised land. It's not heaven. Heaven is the ultimate. We obviously are there fulfilling. We're moving into those things, those blessings of the Lord. And even in adversity, there can be blessing. Many times there is. But there were 12 spies that went in to search out the land. He sent Moses, obviously, was getting, was getting real old there. And it was uh, 12 of them. They went in to check the land out. Remember what happened in verse 17. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and he said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak. Few are many. 
whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether they are forest or they are not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes here. At the beginning here, what God is saying here is to spy out the land and obviously appraise them of their strength. See how strong they are. So God's testing these 12 spies that were going into the land. Land, He said, determine if they had strongholds, if they were vulnerable. He said, bring back a report of the resources of the land here. What kind of produce do they have here? And here he goes on to say, be of good courage. And here, obviously, I believe it's talking about, as David spoke of in 1 Samuel 30, when David encouraged himself in the Lord. And Moses told the spies, obviously, uh, did they do that? Well, two of them did, but 10 of them didn't. And some, so these 12 men go into the promised land and they check it out for 40 days. And look at verse 26 of Numbers 13. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell there in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak. There, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel, what? A bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men that are just giants. They, we, there we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Go on in chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. And so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. What he's doing here is there's a test to see. You know, it's the same way in our lives. When we're given a test, God tests us. And he tests us to see where our faith is. He tests us to see if we'll go into our promised land, if we will go into where the blessings of the Lord are. But you see here, 10 of the 12 men, they came back and said, there's no way we can do this. There's no way. They're giants in the land. They have strongholds and so forth. And we're like grasshoppers. We look that small in their eyes because they're so big and it looks like no way can we overcome them. I want to tell you today, many Christians may be like that. Many Christians would say when they're faced with challenges, maybe it's financial challenges, maybe it's family challenges, maybe it's work-related challenges, it may be health challenges, whatever it may be, 
is we look at it and we go, this is way too big. I cannot overcome it. I'm going to just get down and I'm going to quit and I'm going to cry. And what happened was they wept. Why? It's because when you're so afraid that fear grips your heart and you're so afraid, then you'll weep. You will cry as a result of that. Now, what will happen, I believe that when, obviously, things, the culmination at the end of the age, I'm not talking about the end of the world, because obviously the world, Jesus, there'll be a new heaven and new earth there when we look at Revelation. But I'm talking about at the end of the age, when things get so bad, when the trials and tribulations start and so forth, and there's really a challenge to people's faith and so forth. I believe those that are not grounded in the Word of God those who have not strengthened their faith in the Lord will actually weep as a result of that because they're so afraid. Have you ever been so afraid that you just wept? That you, you know, your future looked like it was just completely dire straits and you just wept. You just cried about it. You wept because you were afraid. And that's what these people were doing. Because two of the people, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, we can go in there. God's given it to us. God has said, take it, go in. And let me tell you, when God says, take it, then we partner with him to take it. If we don't, then what happens is unbelief gets in our hearts and we begin to drift away from God's highest purposes in our lives. And so God's calling his people today to be of good courage, the same way as what he said to the people here. But we make the choice. We make the choice of whether or not to get strong in the Lord and encourage ourselves in the Lord, just like what Daniel did in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And so the people were being tested by the Lord. And there's several faith lessons, I believe, here that we can talk about from the life of Caleb. Everybody likes Caleb and Joshua. I love them because they were victorious. But I want to share with you some things that are so encouraging to us. Because Caleb saw the opportunity where others saw problems. When you look at your life today, do you see problems or do you see opportunities? It's a matter of perspective, isn't it? Do you see that these things are potential victory that you can go through? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me according to what the Word of God says. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. And so we as Christians, the Bible says in Timothy that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love and power and sound mind. We haven't been. When you're so gripped with fear, you have what's called a spirit of fear. And there is a demonic spirit of fear that's out there. Sometimes it gets a hold of even Christians today and they're scared to death. Do you look around you at the world situation and are you seeing today, you may be apprehensive and you may, man, these things are getting out of hand, but are you gripped by fear as to what may happen in the future? I want to tell you today, it's not going to get any better. According as we move up to the time of tribulation, it will not get any better. It's not like, oh man, this is a piece of cake and we're just going to skate through. You're not here. We know the Lord and he gives us the strength being a, to be able to go through these times. And Caleb said, we can take them. No doubt about it. He didn't listen. He didn't analyze the report of the 10 that said, we can't do that. Are you ever around anybody that says, I can't do that? I can't do this. I can't do that. And whatever it may be that you're called to do. And you know that they can, but they just lay down and they go, I can't do that. I can't do it. 
Maybe some of you even, you know, just the challenges, whatever the challenge is, doesn't make any difference. I'm talking about the practicalities of life today. Whatever the challenge is, is that we can do it in the strength of the Lord. If He has called you to do it, He's called you to live life, He's called you to victory because of what Jesus has done for us, He's called us as overcomers. We are more than overcomers through Him who loved us. And so we are obviously more than conquerors, even as the Word says also. And so He calls us to do that. Caleb saw the opportunity. Others saw the problems. See, you see here, in my, my years of pastoring, I find that everybody wants a good thing for the kingdom of God. Everybody wants to be blessed, right? You want to be blessed? I do too, right? Okay? Everybody wants that. They want a relationship with God. They want a strong family. They want godly kids. They want God's blessings on their finances. And obviously, I believe that even though they want these things and so forth, is that we've got to get up and we've got to cooperate with God here. But these people, I believe, wanted that also. But they were not pleasing to the Lord because what they do? They gave a bad report. They gave a bad report there. And they were talking about that there are obstacles and problems and enemy strongholds. They, they saw giants in the land and so forth. And, and were these, those things there? Yes, they were there. And Caleb saw those things also. It's not, faith is not denial. Faith is what I believe, what, how Caleb entered into this, and that is the God factor. You cannot do it in your own strength. You cannot have the victory without Jesus and without drawing close to the Lord. You'll never be able to do it without God. And so Caleb had the God factor. He understood here. And he is the deciding factor in knowing God here. He saw God's involvement in the situation. God had already told him to go in and take it. He'd already promised it to him. You see, God has given you and I many problems that are unconditional. Obviously, he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, Hebrews 13, 5. And we talked about that last week. And I'll mention again, just as a reminder, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that means I'll never, 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 never leave you. If you're a child of God, he will never leave you. But the other word is nor forsake you. And what that means is actually he will never turn his heart away from you or me. That's even more intimate, isn't it? He'll never leave you. He'll never abandon you and say, okay, you're on your own. We know that. Thank you, Jesus. But he'll never turn his heart away from you. In other words, his, his desire and his longing is to have a deep, intimate relationship with his children. Amen. I was sitting this morning. And um, Jerry's been talking about distractions. And probably one of my biggest distractions, I'll be honest with you, is a TV. And getting into political types of stuff. Well, things haven't turned out the way I thought it would anyway, so I just flipped the thing off. Don't want to hear about it. Nothing, no disrespect for uh, former President Bush or anything. I just turned it off and I sit there. And I want to encourage you to do this. And I call it, and I've mentioned before, soaking in the Lord. Just soak in the Lord. Don't have an agenda. Don't have a prayer list sit before the Lord and get real still and get quiet and ask the Holy Spirit of God to come upon you and touch you and speak to you. And I just sat there because I can sometimes have a pad beside me and, you know, all these things that I've got to do that day start running through my mind. I'll write those down. Get them out of the way because I'll look back at that later on. 
and then just allow your mind to focus upon the Lord Jesus and ask the Spirit of God. You want a relationship with Him. And the Spirit of God came on me. I could feel His presence. And I just sat there and soaked in the presence of the Lord. And you know what I said? I just said, I love you. I love you. I want, I want to know you, and I know you know me, but I want you to know me. I want you to know me in the depths of my heart, and I love you. And as I spoke that, and I just told him, because he's here. And when you sit before the Lord like that and just tell him you love him, I love you, Jesus. You see, that's that relationship. That's that intimacy and in telling you love him. And the Spirit of God just rested on me for, for a few moments there as I could sense and be aware that he was there because he's here right now. When we have our open worship, we sit, and I was sitting up here asking the Spirit of God to speak and just sitting in his presence. You know, I thought about this as I sat up there this morning anyway. I said, it may be this time here in church for these few moments is the quietest time of the day that you'll have. The rest of the day is full of noise and full of everything. In the football games, full of family, all these things are good. There's nothing wrong with them. But God wants his time with you and with me. And so I sat there and just soaked in the presence of the Lord. How awesome that is and understanding how important that is. But are we including God in our equation? When you look at 2019, what are you expecting? Are you seeing just more problems? You're seeing more things in your life that you're like, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to make this. You see, right now the economy seems to be going pretty good. People are still without. But it seems like these things are going well and so forth. And, you know, my, 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 certainly I've always said, you know, we've got so much here in, in America. We have so many things that other countries don't have and so forth. And, and yet, hey, we desperately need the Lord. We don't need to continue to fall away. So in 2019, maybe we can reflect upon these things here. Faith, again, and denial are two, diff are, are, are two different things. Faith faces the facts. Yes, there were strongholds there. Yeah, they were giants there. Yeah, they were, Caleb and Joshua were seeing the same thing as the other 10 there, but they looked at it differently today. Yes, there are health problems in this place. Yes, there are financial problems maybe in this place. Yes, there are other issues in this place. But if you put in it the God factor, like Caleb did, you can rise above it and you can go through it with the victory because God wants to give you the victory. But you and I have to make a decision in our hearts. It's a choice every day that I make and you make that we obviously rise above and say, I bring God into the equation on this situation. That's what Caleb did. He said, we can go in, basically. And what he was saying in that first reading that we read was basically the people were trying to analyze and say, there's no way we can go in it. And you know, a lot of times, maybe God has touched your heart and you feel like you really want to draw closer to Him and you want a relationship with Him. And then something comes in and begins to chatter real loud. All this stuff going on in your heart. And what did Caleb do when the people were obviously saying there's no way? Basically what he was saying, shut up. We can do it. And you and I maybe need to say, shut up to the flesh. I talked about it. Keep your mouth shut, flesh, because the flesh chatters, because the flesh wants attention. And pre the, the flesh wants to, to have the, the priority in your life and my life. And it will rear its ugly head every time. But God's saying, we've got people of the Spirit. And we need to pay attention to what the Spirit is saying. The unbelief and the ten spies has a chilling effect on the people. And we see here. And 
Caleb is saying, let's stop analyzing what God has already told us to do. And let's go in and take it over. Do you have that attitude? Does Lighthouse Fellowship have that particular attitude of just saying, hey, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That means you and I may have to make some adjustments to what's going on in our lives. It may mean that I do. I always preach to myself, remember that. Is we may have to do that, to be able to have the faith that God obviously wants us to have, to strengthen us. You see, Caleb saw the goodness of the Lord in all of that. Caleb saw the giants and obstacles there, and, but he saw something that the ten spies were not seeing. He saw God. That's why I always ask, God, what are you doing? Show me. Because if you're active in this situation, then I believe that you want to do something. And I believe God wants to move, okay? I believe that with all my heart. But you and I have got to pay attention. So, remember David and Goliath? Real, really wonderful story that we, we know since maybe we were children there. And all David was doing is bringing uh, food and supplies. You remember? But obviously, he had a righteous indignation about Goliath's blasphemy against the Lord. And what did he have? He had a passion for the glory of God. Do we have a passion for the glory of God? Do we have a righteous indignation about the things that are happening in our country today in abortion, homosexuality, adultery, fornication, and all these types of things? Let me tell you, you know, sometimes we feel like, well, marriage is taboo now. Let me tell you today, it is not taboo in God's sight. There is a commitment before God and for people that are there in the congregation today. These things are for today. Do you have a righteous indignation that takes place? It's got to rise up in you and me if we're going to make a difference in the world. But we can be like the ten spies and sort of draw back and say, well, we're only just a few here, Jim. We're only just a small number. We really can't do that. And, and you know now, you know, I'm just waiting for that heavenly train to come in no, I told you last week, if you have a pulse, then you have a purpose. If you're not dead, then God's not done with you yet. Amen. He's not done with you. And we'll see here in Caleb, man, I always talking about encouraging <laughs> about Caleb's life. <laughs> so God is saying, we need faith here. And he's building us up. Do you have faith that to guide your family? in the paths of righteousness? Do you have faith that God will overcome your shortcomings and your limitations? Maybe those habits you're saying, Lord, I want them, get rid of them here. Caleb said, let us go up at once. Let's don't talk ourselves out of it and take possession because we're well able to overcome it. God's already said it's ours. The promised land is yours and mine, but it's up to Jim Barclay. It's up to Lighthouse Fellowship or whether or not we go in and we take it. It's by faith. And God's not done with us. Remember, we've established that. And God wants to do something so powerfully in the earth today. And he's using, remember, we talked about last week in a lot of cases, if but one man, one woman, one righteous person to stand in the gap, to obviously keep God from doing and pouring out his wrath. And there is the wrath of God. There is the love of God. But the other side of that is one day he'll come back like a roaring lion. He's a lamb but he's also the lion of Judah. He'll come back, and we need to get ready 
We need to be righteous in his sight. The second thing here is, is that Caleb followed the Lord when others did not. He was surrounded by unbelief. We're surrounded by unbelief. You know, Jesus couldn't do many miracles in Nazareth because of their unbelief in his hometown. Because they didn't believe him. They didn't believe in the miracles of God. I believe in the miracles of God. I see miracles every day. I see people healed today. I see people delivered today. I have seen demons. I have participated. All these things are for today. Things are happening around the world today that would astound you and I. But let me tell you today, you've got to fight against that unbelief, and I do also. Because our Western mindset has told us these things are not for today. That is baloney, and that's the Greek word. They're for today. God wants to do something in our time, in our day today. We need the power of God like we've never had it before. I see people every day that are dying and going out into eternity without Jesus Christ in their lives. We need the Lord here. You know, they took on a victim mentality. Y'all know what that is. Because if you're anywhere politically astute, then you know what the victim mentality is. And they took it on. They were too politically correct. Let me tell you, politically correct is not for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Because they're absolute truth in the word of God today. He's never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's absolute truth here. The whole congregation, verse 2 here, was saying, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. I just want to die. I want to die. You know what I'm saying? You know what my heart is saying? What I'm saying on a regular basis? More, Lord. More. More of your love. More of your joy. More of your power. More of your healing. More of your deliverance, God. More. That's what I'm saying. How about you? I'm not saying any of this stuff the world's saying. The world's going in the opposite direction. I want to go with Jesus. And I'm going to keep on no matter who follows. Though none go with me, still I will follow. God is saying He wants us in His church today. Their confidence obviously rests. Obviously the two of them rested in the Lord here. You know, in our democracy, there's a tendency to validate things by a majority vote. In our story there at Kadesh Barnea, the majority, they voted wrong. Just because the majority votes a certain way, we recently had an election, we think, oh, we've got to sort of get on the bandwagon. No, majority can vote wrong, and they can vote wrong as far as whether or not we're going to go in and take the promised land. Let me tell you, they can vote wrong. We may be in the minority, but I'd rather be in a minority with God than with the majority and without God. Let me tell you, amen? I believe it. You and I are part of that. And I believe there's something happening. There's righteousness and something that's absolute. It's rooted in God himself. We either take what God has declared in his word or obviously we will drift away here. And then verse 22, God announces his judgment on the unbelief of Israel. The judgment was this. This generation will die in the wilderness and never enter into the good things God has prepared for them. They will never come into the promised land. Their lives will be wasted walking in circles in a hot, dry desert there. And then in verse 24, God makes Caleb an exception, explains why he's an exception. He said, but my servant, Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit that there. 
they obviously prospered and God brought them in because they had what? A different spirit. Do you have, obviously, a different spirit in you? Do you think the way the world thinks? Or do you think the way God thinks? We need to have the mind, obviously operate in the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ, but we need to experientially work and, and make decisions. He was a servant. Caleb was there. He had a different spirit. And God says Caleb had followed him fully. He was consecrated to the Lord. Doing the will of God was priority in his life. Jesus said, only do what I see the Father doing, and I, all I live for is to do the will of God, to please the Father. That's all I live for. That's what Jesus said. And that should be our attitude also. The only reason I live is to do the will of God. I want to tell you today, I don't always do this perfectly, but the only reason that I live is to do the will of God. Amen? How about you? You'll not make it if you don't. Why? It's because unbelief will come in and will take you away from the highest purposes of God in your life and my life and also the church. And I no longer want to drift to and fro. I want to remain steady, obviously anchored. My hope is anchored in Jesus as spoken of in the book of Hebrews. I want to do that. Third thing here is, is that Caleb finished well and left a godly legacy. Remember, he was 40 years old when he went in the first time there and he stayed tough. He stayed in there. But let me tell you, and uh, we look at Joshua 14. I'll look, read real quick here. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, Caleb saying. And he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. <laughs> you know why I'm stopping? It's because Caleb did not enter into his inheritance until he was 85 years old. I say, there is hope for Jim Barcliffe. How about you? Amen? So you think you're too old. You think that maybe you've gone way past that. No, you haven't. Not according to the Word of God. God doesn't look at age anyway. I'm glad. There is, obviously, uh, God's purposes can be served in my life, and I can enter into my inheritance, okay? There's still a chance for me. There's still a chance for you if you haven't. Be faithful. Lean on God. Trust Him here. Obviously, I'll, I'll skip some of these things, but he's 85 years old, and God finally brings him into his promised land. Is it handed over to him in a silver platter? No. Times were tough. Caleb was there in the wilderness, too. He had to, obviously, he had to fight for it, too. Times, you know what I mean? It, life is tough. I've talked about it. It's tough. But God's got a purpose. And we can't look at that and say, well, you know, in the midst of that, though, even when life has been tough, God has blessed me. Has he blessed you? Even when life is tough, and there's been all types of circumstances that have come against us, hasn't it? But we've seen God bring us through one day. Obviously, when we inherit the promised land, God is saying he's preparing a people for that. Amen. I want to tell you, I want to share a couple of things with you, and we'll, we'll narrow this down. In Joshua... This is something I pray on a regular basis. In Joshua chapter 1, here we, we'll look at it. and uh, Look at Joshua chapter 1. We'll look at verses 1 through 5. There you go. Thank, thank you. 
after the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses, okay? Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. And no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Every place I was running the other morning, and I said, you know, I was, I'm, I'm pretty slow, okay? But I was moving. And I was running along, and I said, Lord, I ask you for every place that I set my foot, that you would give it to me. Now, what does that mean in our lives today? What it means is, is that I believe that God is saying that where you put your foot, when you go out, obviously your family and in your neighbors and your community and places that you may meet, Walmart, Target, wherever, and you set your foot, I believe God wants us to obviously to take back the things the enemy has somehow stolen in these people's lives so they'll feel and experience the freedom of knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. Every place that we tread our feet, God promised to give to us. I believe we are to obviously, and I'm talking about when you get out and you do that and, and you meet people today, and maybe God sets you up with a divine appointment, and God does that, is that we obviously will take back because of our life in Jesus Christ and Him in us and, and we in Him, that obviously we'll reflect who Jesus is, the light of the world. And that light will shine in the darkness in people's lives who have no hope. Because many people out there today, they have no hope. They don't have anything there. You know, we're the army of God, right? I believe we're in an intense time of spiritual warfare. I mean intense. We have the fight for our every step. That's going to take a long time. So get used to it. Put on the full armor of God. Ed has admonished me for doing that. Thank you, Ed. He has told us, you know, it's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, shield of faith which extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Put that on every day. And I can do that symbolically, do that practically, but remember what it actually means, the belt of truth. We'll go into it another time. Get ready. Get suited up because it's going to be a long process here as we continue to battle in spiritual warfare. God will give us strategies. Remember David's tabernacle that I talked about some time ago as the Lord spoke to me? I believe that's one of his strategies, praise and worship. We come in here. Obviously, Christ has set us free. We praise and worship him in freedom. We don't worry about other people. We're focused here. I'm not worried about you. I'm right now here to worship the king and everything else I just completely zone out from because I'm here to worship Jesus. 
and we should be also. And so, obviously, David's tabernacle was a strategy, I believe. The gifts of the Spirit are very important to be able, words of knowledge, the gift of prophecy that we talk about, the gifts of healing. All these things are very important as we minister to people in His power. We're learning how to fight. We're obviously, we're being trained to obviously rule and reign with Jesus and we are being made ready. One day, we obviously will be given certain positions in God's kingdom and we'll be assigned. And I believe it will be based upon how faithful we were while we were here on this earth. I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus alone. It's a free gift. But I'm talking about is that we work for the Lord and everything we do, we do it as unto the Lord. We do it as unto the Lord. And so everything we do right now, God is watching and God will assign us particular places of positions as we get to heaven, keep working for the Lord. Obviously, we don't want to stop short. We don't want to quit. If we stop short, then we'll be defeated. But the Bible says no enemy will be able to stand against us. We got to fight against unbelief. In 2 Timothy, it talks about chapter 2. It keeps showing up. You go, I don't know what to do. You know what I do when I get up in the morning? I go, <laughs> my commander-in-chief, his name is Jesus. Here I am. Jim is reporting for duty. Amen? <laughs> my commander, his name is Jesus. I'm reporting for duty. Can you do that? Amen? Yes, you can. That's what happens. I keep showing up. I remember with hospice and going in with people that were dying, terminally ill. I knock on the door, and let me tell you, it never was easy. It never was that, hey, this is a piece of cake, because I've done this many years, and I've seen thousands of people, but it never was easy. But you know what? I'd be standing at that door getting ready to go in on a person who was ter terminally ill, and I'd knock on that door, and I'd be standing there, and I'd say, Lord, I'm showing up. So what are you doing? And it always gave me peace in just telling the Lord, I'm showing up. You see, you can show up, can't you? Can't you show up? You can show up. You're not backing down. You're showing up. And that's something God calls us to do. We're to endure all the way to the end. And God gives us fresh strength every day. You want fresh strength? Isaiah chapter 40. Read it. Do you not know or have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. And even young men stumble and fall, those who hope in the Lord, those who wait upon the Lord, those who trust in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. He gives us strength. He'll give you strength. And I pray for that strength for you today. In closing, John chapter 4, it talks about real, real, real quick. John chapter 4. Jesus said to them, my food, because they, they thought he was hungry. And Jesus said here, these red letters, Jesus is speaking. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Listen, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they're already 
white for harvest. You know what? Sometimes I say, ah, people are not ready. My neighbor's not ready. The world's not ready. Look at them, how they're going. They're going the opposite way. Jesus said, you talking about waiting for a month? No. The fields are ripe for harvest right now. Now. Do you see Houston, Texas as being ripe for harvest right now? Do you have the attitude that you're going to be attentive and be attuned to the Spirit when He puts you in front of somebody that doesn't know Jesus? Do you have the attitude right now in your heart that maybe a friend of yours, maybe everybody seems to be doing just the opposite, but yet you're saying, I know that God created them. They were made for God. And I love them. And I'm going to share as the Lord, the Spirit leads. I'm talking about don't be brash or obnoxious. But just as the Lord leads you to say, I I want you to know about my testimony. Remember last week we talked about share your testimony. You know, God has changed my life. I was going the opposite way. And Jesus came into my heart. And he gave me the assurance of salvation that one day when I take my last breath, that I'll go to heaven. And then you can share the word of God. The wages of sin is death, but the, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've sinned. I've sinned. You've sinned. And you might say, what, a, what about trying Jesus? Who knows what God will do with that when the church, when Lighthouse Fellowship and the churches in League City and beyond will explode in that. And I want to ask you today, if you've never accepted Jesus, today may be the day God has spoken to you and you're going, I want to know that when I die, that I'm going to heaven. And this stuff you've talked about today, Jim, as far as a relationship with Jesus, I want to know Jesus because I believe what you're speaking is truth today. And I believe in the Bible. I don't understand it all. Theologically, I'm no theologian, but I believe I need God in my life. If that's you today, I want to tell you, I'm here for you. If the ministry team people would come forward, the ones we talked about Wednesday night, if you'll come forward here and stand in the corners. In just a minute. Come on forward. We'll do it. Come on forward. Tom, if you'll come forward. We've been doing some ministry team training for those if you have want prayer uh, we're here for you and we've been uh, working with these that are that we've talked to on Wednesday night and just sharing to, to pray with you if you need prayer I want to encourage you though that God has knocked at your heart's door today and just said I really think I need Jesus I don't understand it my number is on that bulletin and call me and we'll talk because I don't want you leaving this earth without Jesus Christ You've heard the word of truth today. And you are responsible. We are responsible, aren't we? I believe you're here for a divine appointment. That God wants to do something in your life. And for those of you, maybe you've accepted Jesus and so forth. And you're saying, Jim, I, I just, I won't really want to know Jesus in a deeper manner than I ever have before. If you'll raise your hand right now. If you want to know Jesus deeper than you've ever known him before, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. You say intimacy and you go, well, that's kind of, what kind of word? What does that mean? That means in a relationship and what we've been talking about. And I just want to ask the Lord today, Father, we thank you. If anybody here has not received Jesus, today would be the day.
Today would be the day that of salvation. Today would be the day they just say, I don't understand it, but something's happening in my life. There's been a tugging at my heart, and I want to get rid of this guilt. I want to get rid of this shame. I want to get rid of all this stuff, and I want to lay it at the foot of the cross. And this day is the day that God has called you. And then, Lord, for those who are here, lifted their hands and said they want a deep relationship with you, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, today to impart that. Impart that, a hunger and thirst for righteousness, a stirring of your spirit like we've never known before. We're living in perilous times. We never know. When I was a little boy, I never thought about all the killings, all the shootings, all the things that we know we see happening today. I never saw that. I never worried. I ride my bike wherever I wanted to go. Kids can't go now. They're afraid to be snatched. And God is saying today, we need Jesus Christ. If you need Jesus today and you want that intimate relationship with him today, is the day he's calling you. So, Lord, thank you and praise you. So do that and impart that Holy Spirit to every person here. You've seen it. You've seen their heart. You know them. And you've got a plan. We lift you up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.